0: Welcome to the Innovation and Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guest today, Sudhakar Ramakrishna, the president and CEO of SolarWinds. Sudhakar, welcome to the discussion. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for having me here today. Let me set just a little bit of context for our discussion today. Without a doubt, it's been a busy 2021 for federal and private sector chief information security officers. While the number of cyber attacks may be the same or nearly the same, the severity and the impacts on everyday society are not. From the supply chain attack on SolarWinds to the Microsoft Exchange vulnerability to the Pulse Secure VPN, we've been reminded that our dependence on technology can be both a blessing and a curse. What these and so many attacks have taught agencies is the need to be resilient. The most recent Federal Information Security Management Act, or FSMA, report to Congress found agencies actually doing a better job managing their cyber risks. In fact, their scores across the NIST cyber framework around identify, protect, detect, respond, and recover are among the highest in the last four years. Now, this means agencies are also doing a better job of communicating to their stakeholders about their planning and performance metrics around their recovery activities based on their risk tolerance. Still, one thing is clear from the last several months, no amount of planning, people or tools will stop a determined adversary. This is why agencies and really all organizations must have the confidence in their suppliers and the ability to react and recover to cyber threats and attacks. For how agencies can do that and some of the hard lessons Solar Winds and really so many other companies have had to heed, let's turn back to my guest. Once again, Sudhakar Ramakrishna is the president and CEO of SolarWinds. Sudhakar, let me start at the beginning. We know we've heard a lot about the SolarWinds attack. We know a lot about it over the last few months, but but in many ways, this is not your normal attack that we've seen over the years. Why is this attack different? What makes this one, unfortunately, so special?
1: Uh, It is unfortunate, uh, Jason, um, as you said, but it is special in terms of its uh, tradecraft. This, um, by many experts' accounts, is a foreign adversary uh, that uh, intruded into our systems, and compromise our supply chain. So we use the term supply chain a bit broadly in the security industry, supply chain attacks as a concept is not a new one. Uh, However, uh, most of the times when we talk about attacks, we are talking about call it data breaches, um, malware being injected in a specific customer's environment uh, and um, other types of phishing attacks and so on that are targeted towards one enterprise. In this particular case, by attacking the supply chain of winds and compromising uh, processes such that we are shipping malware as part of our updates, the threat actor is able to potentially access a much larger footprint of um, environments that they can potentially compromise. So in that regard, it is different than, let's say, the -the run-of-the-mill virus or malware uh, that we may have heard about in the past.
0: And in many ways, th- it, when things happen through the supply chain, when it comes through an update, it's not expected. It's, 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 there's a trust. There's a, well, I've been working with company X, whether it's SolarWinds or Microsoft or whomever, and I trust that they're giving me the right code, the, the code that's been protected and gone through the process. And, and I think that's why this has raised so many levels of, of people going, uh-oh, if this, is, if this happens to them, where else could it happen to?
1: You're absolutely right, which is the age-old way of providing integrity for a piece of software that we deliver to a customer is to digitally sign it. When we digitally sign something as coming from SolarWinds or Microsoft, as you mentioned, uh, then the customer has a trust already established. Uh, and to that end, they go ahead and deploy it in their environments. That particular process was followed in, in even in the time that we deployed our patches built and deployed our patches. It just so happens that the threat actor was able to use very novel trade craft, which was not seen before. Uh, that is the reason why I think the software industry at large has to take heed to what happened here, and we'll go into a little bit more detail uh, through the conversation uh, is that they were able to inject a piece of malware into our build processes such that we were unable to detect what they did and we continue to certify them with our certificates and then ship. So all normal practices of building, testing and developing uh, and delivering software were followed including the code signing. But unfortunately there was a, let's call it a man in the middle of the build processes uh, and was able to inject malware into our uh, build systems.
0: I know that back when this happened, when, when people just learned about it in 2020, I think December timeframe, and I've seen some of the other speeches you've given and some of the other stories that are written, and I said this actually happened potentially in 2019 or even before. Is that the, maybe the newest piece of information that you all learned, that this had been going on much longer than anyone thought?
1: Yeah, so the threat actor had been doing recon activities and uh, learning about systems from as far back as January of 2019 is the latest information that we have. Um, It is not to say that they were active in the entire time period, because again, when you're active all the time, the chances of threat defense systems identifying you uh, are greater. So there was a tremendous amount of patience persistence and stealthiness in the context of this particular threat actor that made it incredibly difficult for any traditional systems to identify. When I say traditional systems, like most software companies out there, SolarWinds also had the typical firewalls, the typical AV systems, the typical EDRs deployed in the environment that will catch most of the anomalies that exist out there. Uh, But when you have a very surgical, very patient and persistent threat actor who already knows many of these systems of defense, they were crafting ways to work around the systems. Uh, And unfortunately Jason, another factor is that it is not uncommon for threat actors to be in environments for extended periods of time. So for instance, um, GitHub research would indicate that malware on average could reside in open source systems for more than four years. But once it's detected, it may be corrected within a matter of 30 days. So a lot of times these things go undetected. So now what we need to be more vigilant as a software community is that how do we find other techniques uh, to stay two steps ahead of the adversaries? And this is where collaboration and transparency come into the picture and are super critical to keep all of us safe and secure.
0: I've enjoyed the discussion over the last couple of months on Capitol Hill with the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency executives being asked why why didn't we know this was happening why didn't you catch this why didn't CISA know and and I think that that comes back to a maybe a misunderstanding of just how crafty just how if you will as you said persistent and novel these techniques were now that if you will the we the the the, the federal and, and private sector technology know about these uh, attack vectors, are they still stoppable? Or is this kind of, this, not just solar winds, but anyone could be open to this type of attack again? What, what have we learned, I guess, is the big question. Absolutely.
1: Uh, and Jason, my, my philosophy on this, having come from the security industry and worked in the security industry and software at large, is that unfortunately, as you said, um, breaches, viruses, malware, Uh, have become more and more prevalent. Now, one can take the approach of, look, uh, no matter what you do, um, a persistent threat actor can break through your defenses, so there's not much you can do. Uh, I say that that is probably the wrong attitude to take. In every experience, whether it's a bug or a security breach, there is something to be learned that will fortify what we can do going forward to make it that much more difficult for a threat actor to perform their duties, so to speak. Uh, and so we are approaching this in exactly the same way. I also have another attitude which is one dissatisfied customer or one impacted customer is one too many. So keep the customer in focus, uh, keep the constant learning out of these experiences in focus and continue to improve your processes, your tools, your training, your behaviors uh, to help to build a more safer set of environments. Uh, Now, that is where we come in, because whereas in January and February, most of my customer conversations and industry conversations were about what happened and um, why did it happen, today there is recognition, not only given our incident, but Microsoft and others, that this can happen to anybody. It's not a matter of focus. It's not a matter of um, resources. It's not a matter of investments. It can happen to anyone. So together, what can we learn from this and help improve the environment is really my focus. Uh, Even as we support our customers, even as we improve our internal processes, uh, my, my job also is to go out and spread the word, so to speak.
0: And in many ways, that comes back to the reason why you've been very transparent, SolarWinds has been very transparent about what happened, why it happened, because Again, it it wasn't like you were special. You weren't doing anything. Solar Winds wasn't doing anything. That that hundreds of other software companies don't already do. And and it really, by by being that transparent, it's opening the door to discussions like software bill of materials and other ways to really ensure that what agencies and other companies are are pulling into their networks is as secure as possible.
1: Absolutely. And and um, my hope is that. By us being transparent, notwithstanding the risks of being transparent, um, we can encourage others to do the same. Uh, We would obviously like to learn from others' experiences so that we don't have to repeat um, the, let's call it the same uh, issues in our environments or go through the same challenges uh, that others may have. And we want to afford the same benefit uh, to others who may be able to leverage from what we have done.
0: A lot of this comes back around to the discussion around resiliency. At the top, I mentioned how agencies seem to be getting better at both being resilient and recovering from attacks. What's the big, if you will, lesson slash how can private sector businesses work with agencies to to promote that resiliency? Because I think there's a lot of focus on identify, protect, detect, but the resiliency piece maybe isn't getting as much attention as it should.
1: Yeah. as, as you know, Jason, some of these breaches are, um, it is important to be time critical or time sensitive when it comes to responding uh, to these things. So we believe in a very open communication and transparent public-private partnership. So I have had discussions with uh, CISA here, uh, the Solarium Commission representatives, the UK Cybersecurity Center, the Australian Cybersecurity Security Center and others over the last four months. Uh, what I have found is that the engagement levels is being refreshingly positive. So we get a lot of discussion back and forth. Uh, we share what we know and we continue to learn uh, from them. Uh, at the same time, I noticed that some of the agencies may be restricted in what they can share with the private sector. Uh, let's say as we engage with the FBI, we continue to inform them of what we learn But sometimes the relationship tends to be asymmetric. So the more we can make those relationships symmetric, I think the faster information flow will be and knowledge sharing will be. So that's step one. Step two is that um, if there is a broad recognition that these things can happen to anyone, notwithstanding the best intentions, best practices, best tools, uh, then the level of victim shaming goes down. So in almost a a strange way, um, coming out soon, coming out and informing proactively should be rewarded, not punished, so to speak, either by reputational damage or business damage. So that's the other thing that I think as part of awareness building, we all as a community need to do more of uh, and to help engage. Equally, accountability matters. Um, Therefore, to the degree that you don't come out and disclose, to the degree that you don't come out and comply. Uh, There should be some measures uh, between public and private sectors where accountability is both um, expected and enforced.
0: I know Congress has tried to push towards that sharing of information, that mutual sharing, a two-way sharing. And I know they've tried to address the liability issues and almost indemnity issues around, well, if I tell you something will affect my stock price and the like. So I think in many ways, what SolarWinds has been doing is, is a good model going forward for other companies to say, look, they did this and, and, and it did not, hopefully, you'll tell me if I'm wrong, uh, have a huge impact in, in, in all the things that people, the shareholders, shareholders and the like care about, profit, revenue and the like. I mean, hopefully that, that's been the case generally.
1: So i will, I'll uh, like to take a second to thank all of our customers for being incredibly supportive uh, through this period. Uh, Yes, they challenged us uh, to identify any issues and gaps that we had. Yes, they probed us really hard. uh, But for the most part, they also supported us tremendously. Uh, I would also like to thank my employees because the attitude that we took, uh, while it's easy for me to say one customer impacted is one too many, it is the employees of the company that actually deliver on that promise. So uh, the way I would describe it, Jason, is stock price aside, perceptions aside, we started focusing on what are the right things we need to do and let's continue to focus on doing those right things the right way uh, and the stock price will take care of itself. Uh, So we are still, I would say in early stages uh, because if um, the breach was notified to us only in December of last year and we are barely six months removed from it, uh, I like to think of it as we are on the right track and the right trajectory with regards to providing support to our customers, giving them confidence that we will be the most secure company going forward. So those are all things that we've done. The foundations have been laid, but I don't want to take any of the trust that the customers place in us for granted, and we will continue to earn it every single day. Uh, And I'm confident that as we continue to serve our customers and earn their trust on a daily basis, um, metrics like stock prices and um, growth will
0: take care of themselves. All right, very good. So, Dr. let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. You're listening to the discussion, Innovation in Government, Cyber Resiliency, sponsored by Carisoft on Federal News Network. For more than 20 years, SolarWinds has been a global leader in IT management and monitoring solutions. We give government agencies the tools they need to improve performance, reduce costs, and streamline operations. SolarWinds provides powerful, affordable, and secure products that deliver unified visibility and scalable monitoring across geographically distributed networks and hybrid IT infrastructures. Monitor and manage your critical environments with SolarWinds. To learn more, visit solarwinds.com government. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion, Innovation in Government, Cyber Resiliency, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today, Sudhakar Ramakrishna, the president and CEO of SolarWinds. So, Dukar, let's start with the basics. Uh, you talked about customers. You start, you, you talked a little bit in the last segment about the, the employees, the customers stuck with you. They asked you hard questions. What were the steps you took to help customers remediate? It, it, I know I talked to some CIOs and CISOs who said, you know, we weren't affected that much. We just had to update the, the patches. Others, they heard maybe had to do the full rip and replace, which is costly and time consuming and, and concerning. So give me a sense of what you're seeing from agencies and and how how did you all help with remediation?
1: Definitely. So Jason, um, let me maybe set some context in terms of the customer conversations. When we first came out and reported this back in December, uh, we said that as many as 18,000 customers may have downloaded the impacted code code versions. But then as we went through the investigation, we have highlighted that less than a hundred customers we're probably impacted. Uh, I'm saying we're probably impacted because we can only go by certain characteristics of those customers. So it's thankfully uh, much smaller than what we had originally highlighted as a possibility. And that is because of various reasons, I would say. One is that uh, not every customer that downloaded a patch actually deploys a patch. Uh, because they may be waiting for the next patch, or they may have found out about it and never even deployed. So those are automatically outside the the concern zone, so to speak. Two is that most customers would have configured the product in such a way that it does not have internet access or um, passing through their firewalls because the way the malware works is that it sits dormant in the customer's environment for a period of time and tries to connect back to a backdoor server that gives its instructions on what to do. So if you don't have access to the firewalls, or I should say to the internet, then even though you may have deployed the malware, it's kind of inert because it really can't do anything. So as we went through that sifting down process, even as we completed the investigation, it came down to a fairly small number of customers. However, uh, our duty was and our responsibility was to help every customer who had deployed the malware to an upgrade, whether it was a complete rebuild or to your earlier point, simply a patch. So we did this in multiple ways. One is every one of our customer success, customer support uh, engineers, system engineers, sales engineers were engaged with customers. In fact, uh, on average, uh, I found out that we speak to 5,000 people a day as a company, uh, outside people. This is customers. Their partner network came in very, very handy and work side by side with us as well. We created a program called the Orion Assistance Program, which is leveraging our worldwide network of partners to touch any customer that needed help, needed help with a simple upgrade or a complete rebuild. And we made those things happen on our cost as a way of ensuring call it the trust that customers place in us is not misplaced and that we are a vendor that can be counted upon not just now, but into the future.
0: I remember talking to your folks maybe back in February timeframe, maybe it was January about the fact you were footing the bill. And I thought that was a sign not of failure, but a sign of actually success because you're saying this is really important to us and this matters to our customers. Was that a hard decision to kind of talk internally through or was that a no duh decision?
1: Honestly, that wasn't a a hard decision at all to say yes to. Obviously, at that point when we said yes to, we were not 100% clear on what the financial impact might be, how many customers will leverage it, et cetera. Uh, But in the spirit of do the right things the right way that I described in the previous segment, uh, this was uh, pretty much a no-brainer to to agree to. Uh, And more importantly, uh, or equally importantly, I should say, Jason, is that brought us closer to our partners. Because ultimately I look at our partners as an extension of SolarWinds. It's not a third party entity that's outside of SolarWinds. Uh, And this is something that I've been reinforcing to our partners across the world that we truly view them as an extension of us. And we'd like to work side by side with them so that our customers succeed. And when our customers succeed, obviously our partners succeed and then Solovin succeeds.
0: Of the hundred or so customers you think probably, as you said, were infected, Do you have any sense of how many are federal government or what percentage? We saw some in the fiscal 2022 budget request that President Biden sent forward. A couple agencies actually highlighted we need money to recover, to remediate from the SolarWinds cyber incident. Do you have any sense of of how many or what percentage?
1: I do not have a specific percentage in that, Jason. Uh, Obviously, the federal government customers are very important uh, to us. And I personally have spoken to. Um, many of them, I'd like to say all of them, but I would like to say many of them at this point, and I continue to do so. Uh, And we're doing this for multiple reasons. One is um, touching the customers, making sure that they are happy and satisfied with our performance and and support. Two is um, articulating to them what we have learned, what we are doing, because many of our federal government customers are also having complex supply chains from a software standpoint, and we are trying to drive our learnings into, into their environments. And the third is a two way open dialogue where we can understand their requirements and their concerns better and take action. Uh, So I'm again, very um, grateful I would say is probably the right word to use in this context to the government uh, customers who have engaged with us who have helped us and who have been patient with us. Uh, And many of them actually have now turned our systems back on and are experiencing the benefits of the solutions that we deliver.
0: One of the things you mentioned several times is share our lessons learned. You mentioned with the FBI, you mentioned with other companies, you mentioned with federal agencies. What is the big one or two lessons learned and that that really from this solar winds incident, but more, what, how did that push you to change the internal processes?
1: Yeah, we looked at, um, we looked at a few dimensions, uh, Jason. I, I have an initiative internally that I call Secure by Design. Uh, and the reason why I picked the term secure by design, which is something that I've used in a previous company once, uh, but maybe more broadly here, uh, is that security should not be an afterthought of delivering a product. So we, we do pen testing, we do post um, a software analysis of the security of a software. All those are required, but I would say those are not sufficient and security needs to be planned in or designed in, so to speak. And that needs to happen at the infrastructure level, that needs to happen in the build systems, that needs to happen in the build processes, and more broadly in the consciousness and the training of the company. So the learning, or if you wanna think of it as the action that we're taking, is how do we incorporate that across those dimensions within the entire company? Uh, And um, related to that and specifically, Uh, Some of the things that I would highlight here are uh, we are significantly expanding our red team capabilities, number one, Uh, because it is important for us to think like threat actors, no matter the size of the company or the resources of the company and provide some ability for the team to do synthetic attacks against ourselves to learn and improve on an ongoing basis. Two is that um, this is specific to the BOM software bill of materials, and software development itself. We have created three parallel build systems. And the three parallel build systems are in different locations with different permissions. And the whole idea, going back to digitally signing a piece of code and delivering it to customers and giving them the confidence that it's clean and pristine and is coming from us. The goal is build across three systems, create cross dependencies and uh, I should say cross checks across those three environments to make sure that the integrity is not compromised in any one of them. So if you think about a threat actor, even if they're able to compromise in one environment, they will have to consistently compromise across three different environments in exactly the same way for us to have a a compromised delivery to the field. Uh, That required a lot of uh, innovation that required a lot of investment on our part. And our goal is that as we perfect it, to be able to document it and publish it. And so these are some of the work that I'm working with some of the federal government agencies, including CISA and others, uh, to articulate what we are doing.
0: So, Dukar, we're almost done uh, with the show. Before I let you go, I I did want you to touch upon this idea of supply chain risk and and how agencies and, and Companies can work closely together. You mentioned the software bill of materials. What are some other steps to really ensure that whatever company there is going forward, whatever agency we're talking about, they, they can have confidence in, in what they're getting from the vendors? What, what's what's the one message you would send?
1: I, I think uh, maybe a set of messages, uh, Jason, but just to summarize, uh, I'm a believer in uh, evolving to a software bill of materials uh, type approach because that provides a level of uh, integrity to the raw materials that uh, go into uh, ensuring that a particular piece of software has high integrity. Uh, Additionally, I would say evolving the industry to more secure development life cycles as opposed to software development life cycles and driving a level of consistency would also drive a better security consciousness across the industry, both public and private sectors.
0: All right, I know there's a lot of work going on on software bill of materials, so I'm sure we'll see a lot more about that and have much more to talk about. But unfortunately, we're out of time for today. So let me thank my guest, Sudhakar Ramakrishna, is the president and CEO of SolarWinds. Sudhakar, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Jason. Uh, and thank you for having me here. And I look forward to seeing you soon. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion, Innovation and in Government, Cyber Resiliency, sponsored by Carasoft on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Innovation. Thank you for listening to the Innovation and in Government show sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com Keyword Innovation.